Well, kids, your activity packs today are based on the book of Philippians, so I hope that you'll get a lot out of the book of Philippians as you do some puzzles and uh, do some colouring in activities that are based on that book. And uh, for those of us who are in high school and above, we're going to be spending some time thinking about some important messages out of the book of Philippians together today as well. Now, if you've been here during January, you'll know that we've been thinking about this one verse and some of the many ways that the Bible tells us how we can actually go about doing it. Verse is this from Hebrews 10, verse 24, and let us consider one another. Let's think about each other in order to provoke love and good work. So when you think about your church family, let's think very specifically about the people who are a part of it. How can I help each one of those people in the relationship I have with them when we're together as a group or when I'm praying for them at home individually or when we're hanging out midweek? Whatever it is that we, uh, wherever we connect, how can I help the people in my church family grow to love Jesus and other people more and to live lives that are full of good works? That's what we're about. And so we've been learning about some different ways that we can do that. And today we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul as he writes to his friends in the city of Philippi to do exactly this. He's wanting to uh, consider them and to write, as the Holy Spirit gives him the wisdom to write, uh, some things that are going to help them love God and others well and to live lives full of good works. And that's exactly one of the very first things he says in his letter. This is a beautiful prayer and I'd encourage you, if you're ever not sure of what to pray for somebody... This prayer is a beautiful prayer that you could pray for them. If there's already a long list of things that you're praying for yourself and for others, still include this prayer because this is one of the greatest things that you can ask God for, for yourself or for anyone else. This is Paul's prayer. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So as Paul gets ready to pray, he's feeling lots of gratitude in his heart. He loves these guys in Philippi that he's about to pray for. He's seen how they've been partners with him in the gospel. He's seen the good things that God has already done in their lives. And he's really sure that God is going to continue to keep working in them to do what he's about to pray for. And this is what he prays. I pray this from verse 9, that your love will keep growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is such a beautiful thing that you can pray for other believers. This is such a beautiful thing that you can pray for yourself. And we're going to spend some time today teasing out what that might look like as God answers that prayer within us. But just to look at it very briefly together, he's asking that God will help our love to grow in two things. In knowledge, in what we know about God and one another, but knowledge is only really helpful if it leads us to do things differently. And that's the next thing he prays for, and every kind of discernment. In any situation, there's probably a dozen things that we could do that are okay, that are not wrong, but what is the best thing to do in every situation? What is God's perfect will for me in this moment and for you in the moment that you're a part of and in the circumstances that you're a part of? The Apostle Paul prays that we'll be full of knowledge and the discernment to know which knowledge to apply and how to apply it in every situation of our lives so that we can approve the things that are superior 
not mediocre. Let's choose the very best things, not only for ourselves, but for us as a church family and for us as individuals, the people that we connect with, so that we may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So if that's the kind of thing that we want to see happening in our own lives and in the lives of those we care about, if that's the kind of prayer that we want to see God answering for us, uh, the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about some of the the challenges we have that might get in the way of experiencing that or that might actually help us to experience that. As he writes to the Philippians, he's aware that they're experiencing some tension. Have you ever experienced tension in your life? Yeah, and you know that tension can be really, really damaging. Um, Your body, when it's feeling the wrong kind of tension, doesn't feel great. Relationships, when they're feeling the wrong kind of tension, don't work well. Uh, Even our relationship with God, when there's tension there because of sin in our lives, it's not going well. But you'll know that there's other forms of tension that can be helpful. Like when I do my exercises, and by now, for those who've been here, you know I've got the app, you know I'm working out. Um, So I'm using my resistance bands, and I'm pulling my arms in different directions, and my legs in different directions. That's a healthy tension. That's helping my body to get stronger and healthier and to work better and to feel better. So there's tension which is good, and there's tension which is not good. And as Paul writes to the Philippians, he's aware of some tensions that they're experiencing. He wants them to experience the healthy kind of tension. He wants them to know what to do when they're experiencing the the tension that is dangerous and damaging. And so as he thinks about what's going on in the lives of the people in Philippi, he recognises that there are people around them who don't like the message of Christianity and they're causing trouble for anyone who lives for Jesus. He experienced that himself when he was in Philippi and he knows that the people he left behind are continuing to experience that. There's a tension that they're experiencing from people who are trying to pull them away from Jesus. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what it feels like to be in school and to feel like, you know, if I do what I know is right here, my friends might laugh at me or they might tease me because they want me to join in disobedience. They want me to join in behaviour that doesn't fit with Jesus. Um, And I want to live for Jesus, but I'm just feeling tense as I even think about it. Do you remember what that felt like? Maybe that was you in your workplace. Uh, maybe that's in your home life. Whatever that space is where, there, where it's difficult to follow Jesus without feeling a bit of a tension because others are pulling you in a different direction. Well, they're feeling that in Philippi. But that's not the only tension they're experiencing. There are people who love Jesus who are part of the church family and they're just having a hard time getting along with each other. And you probably know what that feels like too. You might share the same beliefs. Um, you might really want to lo- love Jesus and serve Jesus in your life. But there are, there are some folks that you're just having trouble seeing eye to eye with. You want to go in different directions. There's, there's a tension in a relationship, even though you're both following Jesus. And that can make it difficult. It can make it hard to be full of joy and to just flourish in following Jesus and doing what he wants you to in your life. So Paul addresses this throughout his whole letter. And after he's shared a little bit more about how he's going, because after all, he's writing from a prison in Rome, so he he spends the rest of chapter 1 talking about what that experience is like for him. But then as he gets to the end of chapter 1, he comes back to this issue. And I want you to see what he writes to them about these two tensions that they're experiencing. From verse 27 in chapter 1, he says this, Just one thing. Now that phrase, just one thing, it can kind of mean, hey, as of first importance, or if you're going to think about anything, think about this. It's, it's the number one thing he wants to say to them. As citizens of heaven, 
live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, when, whether I come to see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you're standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel and not being frightened in any way by your opponents. And this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. So as Paul writes to them about the tension that they're feeling, he, he says quite a bit that would be nice to spend some time on. But basically the big idea is, I want you guys to stand firm together. Uh, when you're experiencing uh, what it's like to be pulled away in different directions and it's hard to follow Jesus, get together and help each other to stand firm in Jesus. But then he goes on to say, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So there's that whole standing together idea. But then he goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So quite simply, in that section after he's just finished updating them on how he's going in Rome, he says to this, as you're experiencing tension from outside and even tension from within your own group, I want you to stand firm together in the gospel, but I want you to know how to give ground when it comes to your own interests. So how do you deal with people who don't like the message of Christianity, who are causing you problems? Well, you stand firm together as one community of people. You stand in the gospel and you help each other to not be moved. How do you deal with those times when you're not agreeing with one another as part of a church family? Well, in that situation, you don't just stand still and refuse to be moved. You give ground to each other. So those are two basic ideas that Paul has for how you can continue to grow in love and live lives that are full of good deeds. But to help us, I guess, understand that idea and experience a little bit more, to help us to know what it's like to have that prayer answered in us as a community, I want us to think a little bit harder about those two ideas. Sometimes we have to stand firm together. Sometimes we have to give ground to each other. So I'm going to invite Emily to come up. Emily's up there. Come on, Emily. And uh, I need somebody who's fairly evenly matched. And today, one of our great friends from down south, Phoebe, walked in the door and I said, oh, there is a perfect match for Emily. So you guys are going to come up to the stage for me. And uh, I have a rope. And if you're very observant, you might have seen this rope that's been lying across the front of the stage. So Phoebe, if you could come to this spot right here and grab that rope there. And Emily, if you could come to this spot right here and grab that rope there. And you're kind of in the light there, and I want to make sure that we can see that you're in the light. So I'm going to give you one of... Actually, no, that's my one. You can't wear that one. Uh, I'm going to give you these uh, cool vests. And um, this could be harder than I had realised. There we go, Phoebes. There we go. Terrific. Very stylish. Please don't take that home. I'll need it later. Okay, and here you go, Emily. Emily, brilliant. Okay, can you see them? Excellent. All right, now uh, maybe just go hand over hand a little bit closer to each other. Uh, Yep, a little bit more. Perfect. Right, now you're both in the light. Excellent. Keep the tension up. 
Awesome. Now, as we think about what Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, he asked them to look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, don't just stand your ground like that. Be willing to move toward each other. So first, let's have an example. Now, don't go crazy here, all right? But just if you just pull a little bit hard on the rope against each other, this is what it's like when you're both trying to get your own way. And who's going to win? Well, whoever's stronger. But we don't need to know that right now, okay? And Paul's saying, hey, you might feel like doing that sometimes. If there's an issue that really matters to you, you're like, man, I'm not giving ground, I'm standing firm, or in fact, I don't like the way things are right now, I want them to be more like this. (coughs) Have you ever experienced that in church? People trying to pull us one way or the other? Okay, now you're not going to do that. Philippians says, look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Um, So he's asking us to actually give ground. Now take a half step toward each other a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. And that's really important because what just happened? Tension's gone. And all it took was for somebody to be willing to move a little bit closer. But did you notice that something else happened as well? Yes, they're closer to each other and they've become more into the light. And that's a really important thing because that's an answer to this prayer. When we stop trying to get our own way... Um, And in chapter 1 it talks about, sorry, chapter 2 it talks about grumbling and arguing as we fight against each other. As we stop doing that and instead are willing to move toward each other, we actually move more into the light of Jesus. And we start uh, discerning what is best and what is superior because we've not, instead of fighting against each other, we've, we've learned to see some good things in the other person and what they're doing and what they're saying. And we've actually moved closer to Jesus in that process. That's awesome. But it's not the whole picture of what Paul's been talking about. I need two more people, and I'm going to disturb some people who are busily writing notes. Well done, fellas. But you are evenly matched. So Josiah and Joshua, if you could come up as well. And uh, Josiah, I'm going to ask you to pick up this rope right here. Josh, can you go to the other side of Phoebe? Okay. Now move further back there, Si. And Josh, I want you to go right back over here. Okay. Now... Remember I said uh, that there isn't just um, tension because Christians aren't always getting along. There's tension because there are people who are trying to pull us further away from Jesus. So Josh and Josiah, sorry fellas, but these are people who don't want Phoebe and Emily to follow Jesus. They want them to go their way, not God's way. Now, as, as we think about Phoebe, who's the most dangerous person for her? It's not the one who's way over there. He's going to pull it this direction, which isn't too bad a thing at the start. This guy over here's the problem. But do you see which way she's facing? He's kind of in her blind spot, isn't he? So sometimes the, the things or the people that most are most dangerous to us, that could most pull us away from Jesus, are things that we're not even aware of. But who can see Josh? Emily can. So she can play a really important role for Phoebe, can't she? Because as she's aware... Now, Josh, don't go crazy. As she's aware of Josh pulling some tension on the rope and trying to pull Phoebe away from Jesus, maybe there's a bit of peer pressure going on, maybe there's a bit of teasing, maybe there's a bit of temptation. Hey, if you accept this contract, I know it's a little bit on the um, uh, unethical side, but we'll make money together. Whatever it is that he's trying to do to, to pull Phoebe away from Jesus, and, and she's not even aware of it, and maybe he's very, a bit vulnerable... But Emily is very aware of it. So, Josh, start trying to pull Phoebe away from from Jesus. Emily, stand firm. So right now, 
Emily is Phoebe's greatest asset to keep her walk with Jesus on track because she's facing the direction of the danger more than what Phoebe is. Phoebe, yep, she's still got to stand there. She's got to recognise, oh, I'm being tugged, that's not good. But the person who can most help her is the one who's in that position, who's ready to strain. And that's what the whole letter to the Philippians is about. Now, I'm wondering if I should keep you guys up here for the sake of this awesome illustration or whether I should let you go down. Yeah, put it down. Well done, guys. Thank, can we thank our volunteers? Oh, I just remembered I had something else I needed to know. <laughs> so it's a very simple way of picturing things, isn't it? But if you can picture that in your mind, whenever you're feeling tension with another believer or whether you're feeling pulled by somebody who's trying to pull you away from Jesus, it reminds you of these two basic principles that Paul talks about right throughout his letter and I'd really encourage you to read the whole letter from beginning to end afterwards and you'll see it right through Um, and as Paul writes them about standing firm in in Christ well you don't do that on your own you do that together and you contend as one for the gospel and when he talks to them about the differences they have with each other he's saying look you're all going to come with your own stuff Um, And when it says, don't look only for your own interests, but also the interests of others, what could that include? It's basically everything. The word translated interests in most of our Bible translations just means things. So don't look to your own things, but also to things of others. Well, what's that? Sometimes it's particular parts of the Bible that are really important to you, particular doctrines. Sometimes it's your cultural background, sometimes it's your personality, sometimes it's your preference about what we should do in our church services or where we should spend our budget or should we, should we do um, this kind of outreach to people who don't know Jesus or should we do it like that? Whatever the things are that matter to you in your life, they could be anything, but be willing to give ground on all those things. And as long as you are in the light of Jesus. As long as you are not moving away from Jesus, when you give ground on those things, whatever they may be, you actually become more like Jesus. And for many of you who know the beautiful poem in Philippians 2, that's what it's saying. Be like Jesus in this. Um, So when we give ground, we become more like Jesus. So let me give you a very simple illustration. And because I let the the guys go, you'll have to just imagine. Uh, Let's just say we're thinking about our time together in our gatherings. And uh, during holidays, we don't have uh, kids' church, obviously, so there's a little bit more noise in here than usual. And for some people, uh, that could feel, uh, when, when there's a lot of noise in a space, maybe it's as we're doing our opening song and people are walking in and they're chatting happily, and it's like, man, that doesn't feel very reverent to me. Um, So that person who might be here, who's very good at being reverent and who who reverence really matters to, whenever there's something that just doesn't feel like you're taking God seriously enough, then that's going to feel, that's going to create some tension for me. But for this person over here, who God has wired in such a way to be very aware of how important it is to be welcoming, they hear that noise and they go, wow, what an amazing church family you have because everybody is welcome no matter what age and stage, whether you rock up late, whether you rock up early, you, know, you greet each other and we're happy to see each other and it's just a, a warm and bustling environment. And so they feel the tension whenever somebody says, well, we need to quieten things down and be more aware of how important it is when we come into a service where we're thinking about our Lord. Now, are those things evil? Is it evil to be reverent? No. Is it evil to be welcoming? No. But for the people who are good at being reverent, 
you know what your greatest danger is? Not that our church would become more irreverent. Your greatest danger is that you could become unwelcoming by trying to take it too far over here. And for the people who are good at being very welcoming, you know what your danger is? It's not those people are always complaining about it's too noisy and it's not reverent enough. Your greatest danger is that you could become irreverent and not think carefully enough about how special it is that we're in the presence of our Lord together. So sometimes when we feel the tension, our focus is on the people who disagree, but our our real focus should be, hey, what's the danger I need to avoid here? Not the danger that I think they're falling into. What's the danger I need to avoid? And if we're willing to give a little ground to each other, we're actually helping each other move away from the things that are most dangerous for us. It's counterintuitive because our sinful nature says, I'm right, they're wrong, and I've got to fight for it to be my way. No, 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 stop it. In fact, one of the great themes in the letter to the Philippians, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And when we rejoice in the Lord, basically what we're saying is, hey, there's something good that God has put within each of us. And if we focus on those good things in each other, then it will actually help us in our relationship with God. The the people we find hard to get along with are often our best protectors from the sins we're most easily pulled into. And our best teachers of the good things that don't come easily to us. And we are the same for them. That's what Paul's trying to get through to the people in Philippi. The people we find hard to get along with, oh man, church would be so much easier if they weren't in it. Family would be so much easier without those people in it. My workplace would be so much easier without those people in it. No, they're often the people who are actually helping us to be pulled a little bit closer toward Jesus as we allow them to do that. And we can do the same for them. So Paul writes as he concludes this section and he was talking to the two ladies who were having a bit of trouble getting along and they weren't feeling like giving in to each other they were both trying to pull each other in opposite directions their names were Euodia and Syntyche I was going to call you guys that later but I thought that could get confusing Um, but he says this after he's uh, spoken about this stuff that was going on finally brothers and sisters whatever's true whatever's honorable whatever's just whatever's pure whatever's lovely whatever's commendable if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy dwell on these things so when we're feeling the tension with a brother or sister in Christ and we're tempted to say oh they're so irreverent oh they're so unwelcoming oh they're so this or they're so that I need to pull them over no no maybe in that moment instead of dwelling on the things that we don't approve of in them what if there's something that is honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable anything that is morally excellent and praiseworthy is there some of that stuff that I can dwell on that I'm seeing in them Because if I do, I might actually find myself moving toward them instead of against them. And I might actually find myself moving more into the light of Jesus and becoming more like him. And I might find that those tensions actually aren't as important as they felt that they were for a while there. They've actually become not tense at all. And I didn't need to win the argument. I just needed to learn to see them the way the scripture tells me to. And I learned to value them because they're also the ones who are stopping me from getting pulled over here to a place where I might feel like I ought to pull sometimes, but I really don't want to be. Let's pray. God, thanks that you've called us to grow together as a church family. And thank you for the very practical way that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi about that. And he recognises that they're feeling some tension, and that tension can be really destructive. It could pull them away from Jesus, it could pull them away from each other. But thank you for the way that Paul, writing with the wisdom that you give him through your spirit, is able to help them to see the value in those tensions. That sometimes they actually help us to know how we can move closer together instead of further apart. 
And sometimes they protect us from the, the sins or the temptations that might have gotten hold of us if there weren't people who uh, we had in our lives who could pull us in the right direction. So God, help us to appreciate each other. Help us to grow in our love for you and for one another. Help us to have that humility that says, I don't always have everything right and I don't see every truth and I don't see every danger. But as a church family, we can cover that for each other. Help us to be willing to give ground on all the things that might otherwise tear us apart. And help us to hold fast together in the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, and to never let anything pull any of us away. And when we see each other drifting, that we will guard each other and we will stand firm together in the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. May we rejoice in you and may we see what is good and excellent and praiseworthy and honourable in one another. This I pray for your glory and our joy. Amen.